Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Democrats are in absolute panic over the invasion at the border. And I can confidently call it an invasion because, well, for one reason, obviously, 10,000 plus people coming through every day or more, you could consider an invasion. But now we have Al Sharpton calling the border crisis an invasion, and he's calling on GOP senators to be pressured for allowing this to continue. Now, hold on there. uh, Gosh darn minute. How are Republican senators allowing this to continue? Well, my friends, the narrative shift is incredible. I don't remember who tweeted this out, so forgive me for not uh, properly attributing it to you. But they said uh, it was a video of CNN talking about Donald Trump being the front runner, how in all the polls, Trump is ahead and Trump is even ahead with the youth vote right now. And they said, imagine calling Donald Trump a fascist, racist, white supremacist for 10 years only for the end result to be the majority of this country wanting to vote for him. What does that really mean? It means the corporate press has no power anymore. So how are we in this moment? where for years, years, corporate press and Democrats have said, there's no invasion at the border. This is not an invasion. There's not even a border crisis. Y'all are crazy. And now Al Sharpton is on MSNBC saying it's an invasion and it's Republicans fault. Oh, boy. The shift was so dramatic and so rapid. It shows the corporate press narrative falls on deaf ears. So perhaps It is the master workings of these Republican governors in places like Florida, Ron DeSantis, and Texas, Abbott, sending illegal immigrants up to liberal jurisdictions, cities for the most part, and getting them very angry about it. You look at these videos of the the immigration crisis in New York and Chicago and Boston, and uh, people are none too happy. But I don't think it's the work of the governors. I got to be completely honest. Under the Biden administration, we have seen, what is it, a tripling of illegal border crossings? It is an outright invasion. Whether or not these Republicans were going to send illegal immigrants to any part of the country, it was happening either way. And so in the end, all they did was help facilitate what the Democrats were doing. 
Now, of course, the speculation is that Dem- Democrats are trying to engage in a radical demographic shift. That's what they've publicly talked about. Van Jones, for instance, is quoted as talking about wanting white Americans to give up being a majority. Fundamental shift in the demographics of this country through illegal immigration in violation of our laws. But it's caused such strife outside of just white neighborhoods. You've got a viral video in Boston of a black man yelling at cops that his community center has been taken over by criminal aliens who are given free money and community resources. Now, Joe Biden and the Democrats risk losing tremendous amounts of political power because of the crisis they caused. So, of course, the narrative shift was obvious. We saw this coming. Now what's happening is you've got Democrats like Al Sharpton saying it is an invasion. Joe Biden comes out and says, I want to solve this crisis, but I need a new law. And the plan was obvious. And here it is. We knew it was coming. Everybody knew this was coming. Joe Biden would say there is a crisis. Republicans need to help. They then put out a bill, which is an amnesty bill. Oh, boy, wait till you see what's in it. One of the provisions in this amnesty bill, they're calling it a security bill, but in no way, in no way does it provide any security. It actually opens the border permanently. There's a provision saying any adjudication, judicial review must be in D.C. There's actually a provision that says unaccompanied minors from non-contiguous countries don't count towards the total amount of migrants allotted per day, which could be upwards of 8,500 permitted. And it would grant in certain circumstances non-judicial review of asylum claims, meaning federal agents could just rubber stamp asylum, give cash and work permits to criminal aliens. This is not an this is this is not a security bill. The bill funds war in Ukraine more than I believe the annual budget for the Marine Corps. I could be wrong. I saw a tweet on that one. I could be wrong. Provides funding to Israel. And, you know, the Democrats, they really don't want a single issue bill on Israel funding because they are losing tremendous support from progressives. But this is it. Let me walk you through it, my friends. Al Sharpton calls the border crisis an invasion. It's absolutely remarkable what he is saying here, considering not even that long ago, the narrative was there is no invasion. Are you crazy? What is being done to uh, get the public uh, to really uh, rise up in various states to say to their senators? Let me pause real quick. The Chiron lower third for MSNBC says House GOP vows to kill Senate border bill as aid for Ukraine hangs in the balance that they want to see the borders uh, the border issue resolved. I mean, you're getting migrants beating up policemen in the streets in New York. You're seeing an influx of migrants all over the country that frankly have people outraged. And couldn't there be some kind of public pressure put in the next couple of days in some of these senator states saying, why are you allowing this to continue? Because at the end of the day, senators have to deal with their voters. And at the same time, it uh, in the bill, you give uh, uh, money to Gaza, to, to, to civilians in Gaza and Israel. But the border, I mean, we're looking every day at the invasion of migrants and they're playing a time game with politics on this. Couldn't that pressure put to bear in their home states? Amazing. And these people are evil. Let me let me play that again. But the border, I mean, we're looking every day at the invasion of migrants and they're playing a time game with politics on this. Every day 
an invasion at the border. Holy crap. Well, I can at least say it's good that that now everyone's against it. At least Democrats have flipped on the issue. They're losing. It doesn't matter what the corporate press says over and over again. There's no invasion. There's no border crisis. You're crazy. And now they lose. Let me let me let me let me pull up uh, some articles here. Here, I love this one. Biden and Democrats are their own worst enemies on border crisis. Whoa, Daily Beast. That's basically the CIA. Border crisis. They're just outright calling it a crisis. Well, I'm impressed. What's the what else do we have? The GOP fears working with Biden more than it cares about fixing the border crisis. I, I just I just don't get it. I, I got to be honest. I don't get it. You can't for the longest time claim there is no border crisis and there is no invasion. And if you're racist, you're racist if you say it's an invasion. And then once you realize nobody is listening to what you have to say, you flip on the issue. Well, I suppose the issue is there are a lot of Trump derangement default liberals who don't pay attention, starting to notice criminal aliens flooding their cities. So the Democrats have to direct their anger at Republicans. To be fair, Republicans are pretty garbage on the issue too. State Republicans, perhaps a bit better, especially in Texas. Oh, here's Vox. Democrats are trying to pass a right wing border bill, but the GOP won't let them. These people are evil, man. I just think they're evil. A right wing border bill? Remarkable. You know, I got community noted the other day because I was talking about the Biden administration calling in the Alaskan National Guard to stand against Texas as I framed it. Perhaps I was a little too forceful in, in how I described it. And, I, and, and it weighed on me a little bit like, should I, should I lighten the load on that one? And I'm just like, let me, let me explain. Because I do think it's fair to try and address these things because I don't want to play the game they do. 20 members of the Alaskan National Guard are uh, called a federal memo to assist federal agents and CBP on the border, which includes four states which includes Texas. They'll be, be providing resources, logistics, and aviation for CBP in four states, again, including Texas. Perhaps a bit hyperbolic for me to say standing against Texas. But my point was, at a time when the Texas National Guard has outright rejected CBP's policies and federal uh, jurisdiction, calling in Alaskan National Guard for deployment, they prepare, is a huge mistake, misstep, bad messaging. And uh, it is fair to point out the deployment could be in 2025. It could be earlier, but likely a year from now. My point is simply, as I made in all those videos, a grain of sand and a grain of sand added to a heap, not a direct declaration of conflict or anything. But the last time they did this was five years ago. Now is not the time to make a declaration like this. So perhaps a little hyperbolic. But I look at the news like this and I'm like, it's not a right wing border bill. It's a far left open border policy bill. And headlines like this are absolutely false. You know, I can respect that people will be critical of me for saying it's too hyperbolic and it, it's, it's misrepresenting. And I'm like, did you know fast growing trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, 
They offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you're right on that one. I don't know what else to say. I, I feel like I'm right, but, I, but I, I accept maybe it was a little too much. Maybe I'm wrong. And I look at this and I'm like, this is just an outright lie. The bill is in no way a right wing bill. It opposes it, it, everything that, that Republicans have been, have been calling for on the border. Uh, we're not perfect. So I'd, I'd apologize and say, man, I don't know. I mean, maybe some of the critics are right on that one. What else can I say? In this instance, though, are you kidding me? Oh, here you go. Newsweek. Robert Reich, y'all know him, y'all love him. Reich, I don't know how to pronounce his name. No, there's no border crisis. Republicans are perpetuating another big lie. It's from three years ago. Just about. Huh. Forbes. There is no border crisis from 2019. There has been for some time. Now, back in 2019 under Donald Trump, he was working to do something about it. I love this one. Tufts University. Oh, we love our liberal universities. This one's from only a few months ago. Stop calling it a border crisis. The narrative that the U.S. is in the midst of a border crisis only empowers the media and politicians to peddle nonsensical and barbaric policies. Yeah, here's Forbes from 2018. There is no crisis at the border and DHS stats prove it. I kept saying it over and over and over again. Well, where are we now? The narrative has shifted. And with this bill, Democrats are claiming that Republicans are opposed to their own right wing bill. Take a look at this. McConnell cautioned Senate Republicans against bipartisan border bill from SCNR.com. The Senate must carefully consider the opportunity in front of us and prepare us to act. Well, of course, by now, you've probably heard a lot of the issues in the uh, in the bill with the bill as to why Republicans are now saying, no, 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 don't, don't support it, because the bill would rip this country apart instantly. Democrats are trying to do that, but only want to win the narrative. And that's the game. Now that they're acknowledging an invasion and a border crisis, they want to codify the crisis at the border while pretending they're solving it. It's evil. The Republicans are bumbling dotards who are assisting Democrats in their ridiculous plan. But at least there are some Republicans calling this out in the House. Actually stand against the, the, the garbage that Biden's administration and Senate Democrats are pushing forward. But they're lying to us, the Democrats, the whole way to convince Republicans and the voters that it's Republicans who oppose fixing the border. It's nightmarish. It really is. And, you know, people have asked, like, how do you deal with the Trump derangement syndrome people? I'm like, I know it's tough because I had my story from this past week and I told you yesterday. The guy I met in D.C. who would not listen to any any reason, doesn't read the news, doesn't know, doesn't care. Just everything Republicans do is wrong and evil no matter what. And he won't listen. Okay. Let me try it again for you. I just showed you all the articles. It's remarkable. Please share this video. I don't know if they're willing to, 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 to watch a video like this, but I, I please share it because maybe they will. Maybe they'll have a Brandon Strzok moment. He talked about how he finally decided, I'm going to watch one of these videos attempting to debunk the Trump narrative. And then he realized, wow, that was true. 
And it he said it caused physical pain for him to see the media had lied to him. Democrats and the corporate press have for years said it is not a border crisis. But now that y'all are angry about the massive influx of criminal aliens, they are now turning around and blaming Republicans for it. Not that Republicans are good. I think the Republican Party is garbage. But Joe Biden and the Democrats have denied it and advocated for it in some circumstances, now pretending like it's actually Republicans who are opposing fixing the border. And that's what they said. They're saying on MSNBC and other platforms that, you know, Donald Trump, the, the, the reason the Republicans are, are trying to stop this border bill is because they want chaos. Yeah, they, they want to blame Joe Biden for it. Well, it is Joe Biden's fault for it, for what's going on. DeSantis refers to bipartisan Senate border bill as a farce. It just shows me the contempt that these people in D.C. have for the American taxpayer. Well, let me show you right here. Here's the bill. I'll scroll down to uh, page 150 for something that's absolutely remarkable. Judicial review. This was noticed by Josh Smith. He brought it up to us yesterday on Timcast IRL. Check this out. Notwithstanding any other provisions of this act, judicial review, judicial review of any decision or action in this section shall be governed only by the United States District Court for the District of Columbia, D.C., which shall have sole and original jurisdiction to hear challenges whether constitutional or otherwise. Wait, 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 wait. Whether constitutional or otherwise? That was funny because when I read that, Ian, you know, crossing on IRL, he'd be like, what? Whether constitutional or otherwise? So they're saying they might do unconstitutional things? Yeah. And if you have a complaint about it, it has to go to D.C. To the validity of this section or any written policy directive, written policy guideline, blah, 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 you get the point. What does this really mean? Well, this goes along with what I was saying about Alaska having a potential deployment for logistics and support to CBP, who are currently in opposition to the Texas National Guard. It will happen potentially in the Trump administration. This judicial review basically means that if Trump gets elected and says we have to stop the border crisis and tries, they will push it to D.C. court where he will lose. I want every Democrat concerned about illegal immigration to understand this. All of my friends' parents who are like, you know, I don't know what's going on with this illegal immigration thing is getting crazy. If Trump does get elected, whether you like him or not, if you are concerned about what's going on on the border, Michael Rappaport, for instance, guy doesn't like Trump at all, but he's concerned about this. If Trump gets elected and this bill passes, he won't be able to do anything to stop it. Trump will say executive order. We're putting a stop to this. No, you're not. We got a bipartisan border bill that says we can do these things. And if you've got a problem, it will be heard in court in D.C., where the D.C. bureaucracy is going to bang the gavel and say Trump loses. We shall continue. Now, you may be saying, OK, that's that's litigation. So I don't know. Let's try this. I think this one's on page two. Do I have a I don't know if I have a, a, this is going to be tough to find. It's not two thirty seven. Maybe I can do a, 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 a what was it? What page was it? What was it? Can you search for terms in this one? Contiguous. That's the word we're looking for. And uh, let's see, including aliens around report. Uh, what page was it? OK, let me just break it down for you. There is a certain provision in this that says that uh, here we go. We found it. It was uh, 213. Sorry. It says limitations. Aliens described in subsection A to C 
from non-contiguous countries shall not be included in the calculating in calculating the sum of aliens encountered. Let me slow down. I, I seriously do hope Democrats listen to this. Let's say you, you're not familiar with your politics all that much. You're a Democrat. You don't really watch the news too much. I hope you hear this. And I hope you look at this bill yourself and read through it to understand what's really going on. This provision pertains to unaccompanied minors. That is a 17 year old who crosses the border. The bill basically says that there is a limitation that after 5,000 criminal aliens are encountered on the border, then they may trigger some authority to divert them to ports of entry. At 8,500, they must divert them to ports of entry. Do you understand what that means? The bill is basically saying they will allow what Al Sharpton calls an invasion to continue up to the point of 8,500. Hold on there a moment. That number does not include unaccompanied minors. Now, the Democratic politicians may try to play the game where they say, but they're talking about 12 year olds. No, the 12 year olds aren't unaccompanied. Many of them are with adults. Some of them are with human smugglers. Unaccompanied minors typically refers to 16 and 17 year olds who are crossing the border. Now, they may be younger, 14, 15, but the smaller children are with human smugglers or their families. I'm not saying every single one of them is with a human smuggler. I'm saying that does occur. And we're trying to figure out how to deal with that. When Donald Trump wanted to deal with this and said, we need to make sure these, these are not human smugglers and traffickers kidnapping children, the media ran wild saying Trump was separating parents from their children. How do you know they're actually their parents? We know that there is a, a disturbing amount of rape occurring with these human smugglers and young girls. So what are you supposed to do? The Trump administration said, you know what? Fine. So be it. We're going to leave with the smugglers. Then the media would come out and claim Trump doesn't care that children are being raped. There's no win. In this instance, it's important to understand that throughout the, the migrant crisis, the, the criminal alien invasion, we have seen large numbers around the world of adult men claiming to be minors. Let me show you this. One. The Daily Mail reports. Two out of three people seeking refuge in the UK claimed to be under 18, but lied about their true age. We have this from the Telegraph. Over 50 illegal immigrants aged 30 and above registered as children on UK arrival. This is from 2022, and the other story is from 2021. This is true for the United States as well. There have been many instances where someone even 30 years old will say they're 17. Prove it. And so what happens? CBP agents just say, given age, 17. That's an unaccompanied minor. They are saying they won't count them towards the calculations. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has 
over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. Okay. So they're going to allow three plus million criminal aliens to invade Al Sharpton's words, Al Sharpton, invade the southern border. Three plus million before this bill has any action taken. Three million. I mean, that's record breaking. I think the number for Trump at the end of his year was 500,000, which is still bad. And this is supposed to be a right wing bill. That's what Vox is saying. Under Donald Trump, let me, let me, I want to make sure I get this right. I really, I, I think it's important. Let me say uh, uh, 500,000 Trump last year. Let me see if I can, I can find that number. Let's uh, about half a million fines. Okay. U.S. is welcome to more than 500,000 migrants as part of a historic expansion of legal immigration under Biden. That's from 2023. Wow. So it's not just the millions. I can't find the number. Fact check me on that one. I could be wrong and I'll accept that. I can tell you this. Donald Trump, you know what I, you know what I can pull up? Illegal immigration uh, by year. I'll pull that one up and we'll take a look at what we can see. Because what I'm trying to do is, uh, let's see. I'm trying to find a comparison between Trump and Biden. Let's do this by uh, president term. I really want to make sure I can pull this one up. It's hard to find the right, uh, the, the graph showing the metric of how many illegal immigrants were encountered in one year versus the next year on the fly like this. I can't really find it. Anyway, correct me if I'm wrong. Fact check me on that one. I'll concede that because I don't have it pulled up and that's my fault. You see, whenever I try to talk about facts and stats, I'll have them pulled up. But considering I wanted to pull that one up on the fly, don't have it. But let me say this. It's a fact. Donald Trump screamed about building a big, beautiful border wall. 30 feet tall from sea to shining sea. And they made fun of him for it, saying he couldn't get it done. Democrats didn't want to provide funding for the border bill, but they're providing funding for uh, what's going on in in Ukraine. How are you going to tell me that it's a right wing bill to allow three plus million illegal immigrants into the United States every year? And let me just make sure I can pull this up because I know I'm asking a lot of people who don't normally research this news. Uh, I'm asking you to 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 believe me. Here we go. Here's what it says. Mandatory activation. The secretary shall activate the border emergency authority if during a period period of seven consecutive calendar days, there is an average of 5000 or more aliens who are encountered each day or on any one calendar day. It's a combined 8500 or more. Now, here's what you need to understand. I hope that's that's that actually I was slightly off on my assessment that that's a better way to understand it. There it is in, in, in full detail. Encountered. This means when we know 10,000 illegal uh, immigrants crossed on a day, that's not an activation. They have to be encountered by CBP, which means if a thousand of them run through the border and escape, don't count. They're called gotaways. Don't know. Can't count them. This bill is ridiculous. And more importantly, it provides funding for things unrelated to security. 
It's absolutely insane. Let me let me let me let me let me re- let me read this. On any one calendar day, uh, combined total of eight thousand or four. It says for purposes of subparagraphs A and B, the average for the applicable seven day period shall be calculated using the sum number of encounters occur between the southwest border. Blah blah blah. The number of encounters that occur between ports of entry. The number of uh, uh, inadmissible aliens encountered at the southwest land border. Limitations. It says aliens described in subsection A to C from non-contiguous countries shall not be included in calculating the sum total of aliens encountered. Now, what happened for a lot of people is you read these provisions talking about 5,000, 8,500, and then you read that, and the assumption was it's talking about all of them. Subsection A2C was referencing unaccompanied minors is my understanding. I could be wrong again. This is 370 pages. Just understand this. Now that you've heard all that, let's go back. Mitch McConnell is backtracking on this. Good. Democrats are now claiming an invasion is actually happening. That's incredible. And the media and the corporate press is blaming Republicans for obstructing to create chaos. I'm, I'm sorry. I can only say that these people, Al Sharpton, Joe Biden, they're evil. They lied to you. They claimed there was no problem. They facilitated the problem. And now, now that you're upset and the Republicans have in the Senate have basically betrayed their voters. But the House Republicans are saying, no, the House Republicans are being blamed for facilitating what Joe Biden did. Man, I, it's just absolutely a uh, great man. I really want to pull up this graph that shows illegal immigration, but uh I, I can't I can't find the I can't find it. So maybe I'll pull it up for the next segment. Absolutely incredible to see what's happening um, president by president. But I, I hope you get the point. It's a crisis for Democrats because it's going to affect their ability to win in November. At this point, though, I think that that point made earlier. It's 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 clear. They called Trump a fascist for a decade, a white supremacist, a racist. And now people are going to vote for him. Why? Because they're feeling the physical effects of Democrat policies. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And we'll see you all then. A federal appeals court has ruled Donald Trump does not have broad immunity from prosecution for the actions he took while he was president. And oh boy, let, let it rain. I really don't think so. I don't think any Republican is going to go after Joe Biden or Barack Obama or, for that matter, any of the other presidents. I mean, you got Bill Clinton, you got George W. Bush. But let's just start with the, my lifetime and what, I'm, and what I am familiar with. Uh, Barack Obama murdered more than one American citizen without charge or trial. Now, of course, we can sit here and talk about how Barack Obama ordered a drone strike on a civilian target in a country we are not at war with, Yemen, killing a 16-year-old American citizen who is accused of no crime, Abdul Rahman al-Awlaki. And of course, many people try to argue, but Tim, it was an accident. The Biden administration, I'm sorry, the Obama administration, sorry, Biden was there, but the Obama administration wasn't trying to kill an American citizen, so it's not his fault. Fair point. So I guess we'll just charge him with manslaughter? Oh, hold on there a minute. Anwar Alalaki, his dad. Yeah, now this one's a little bit more interesting, but still stands. Anwar Alalaki was uh, accused of being an Al Qaeda operative. Well, that's really bad, isn't it? So Barack Obama 
personally ordered the execution of an American citizen. You see, in this country, the president doesn't just get to decide to kill you without due process. But unfortunately for this man, and, he, and I, I don't know, maybe he was a really bad guy. That's fine. But we put people on trial in this country. You arrest them. You stop them. There's a fair point. I will concede that when it comes to war operations, if you've got a guy who's actively engaging in militaristic style attacks against you, OK, well, you defend yourself. But that being said, there still should be an inquiry and investigation. There should be committee hearings asking the question, could this man have been apprehended and brought to justice? Because it is imperative, in my opinion, that we put people who commit crimes like this on trial to prove it, to show the world, to show the people of this country. Well, now they've said Trump does not have immunity. Of course, this will likely move up to the Supreme Court, where I got to imagine they're going to say he does. But in the meantime, my friends, I ask simply this. I don't know, Ken Paxton? Uh, who, who do we got in West Virginia? I don't know how West Virginia operates, but I'd imagine the AG oversees all this. So could any single Republican pursue a criminal inquiry into Biden or Obama for the love of all that is holy? Here's the story from NPR. You know, we love using our lefty sources. A three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit has ruled that Donald Trump does not enjoy broad immunity from federal prosecution, a major legal setback for the former president who said he will appeal. They wrote that for the purposes of this criminal case, former President Trump has become citizen Trump with all the defenses of any other criminal defendant. The ruling comes a month after lawyers for Trump made sweeping claims that he enjoyed immunity from federal prosecution claims that lawyers for the special counsel said would undermine democracy, please, and give presidents license to commit crimes while in the White House, such as accepting bribes for directing government contracts or selling nuclear secrets to a foreign adversary. In fact, those claims are true. Why? There has to be a standard. You can't simply say some things are exempt and other things are not. Barack Obama murdered more than one American citizen, in which case I don't see a difference between bribes and murder. They're both crimes. But if you want to make the argument that under the uh, color of military application, Barack Obama made these calls, therefore he can't be prosecuted. The same stands for literally any charge because you need due process. By all means, you can accuse someone of taking a bribe. Prove it. Right now, the question is, did Barack Obama murder American citizens? The answer, of course, is yes. And for that, should he be criminally charged? You know, I got to be completely honest. I believe there should be an impeachment inquiry into Barack Obama. I believe there should be an impeachment brought due to these circumstances, which we know very much about. And should he be actually impeached and held accountable by Congress? Then yes, criminal charges. But I actually would agree. I have spoken with many people about the killing of Anwar and Abdulrahman al-Awlaki. I believe the intention of the U.S. was to murder his son intentionally to send a message to other terrorist organizations or enemies of the U.S. We will murder your family. I think it's horrifying. I don't believe it's an accident, but it's not for me to lock someone up or strip them of their authority or power, or whatever. It is for the process to function. And some people have argued when it comes to Anwar al-Awlaki, who was an active enemy combatant of the United States, do you really expect that like if there is a Benedict Arnold or a traitor that we're going to be like, no, no, that one guy over there on the enemy lines, we can't hurt because he's American. Oh, no, you're at war with us. You're at war with us. And if you die, it's your fault. I understand that argument. I do. 
I don't think this is in pro- has been properly adjudicated. However, in which case there should be, in my opinion, criminal charges brought up not for Anwar al-Awlaki, despite the fact that I do believe American citizens should not be killed in this way. I understand that argument. But Abdurrahman, his son, at least for manslaughter or criminally negligent homicide. But we'll, we'll get into that because this one really grinds my gears. They say it would be a striking paradox, the judges wrote, if the president who alone has the constitutional duty to ensure that laws be faithfully executed were the sole officer capable of defying those laws with impunity. In fact, that has to be the case. Absolutely amazing. That's what the process of impeachment is for. I'll keep just throwing it back to to Anwar al-Awlaki, but let's read. Stephen Chung, a spokesman for Trump, said the former president respectfully disagrees with the D.C. Circuit's decision and will appeal it to in order to safeguard the presidency and the Constitution. If immunity is not granted to a president, every future president who leaves office will be immediately indicted by the opposing party. Without complete immunity, immunity, a president of the United States would not be able to properly function. The special counsel's team declined to comment. I mean, I got to be honest. I would absolutely love to accept the ruling here. Fine. By all means, let's roll. The only problem is Republicans don't have the balls to actually go up against the machine. In fact, most of them are part of it. The court said Tuesday that its analysis was specific to the case in front of them. One of the D.C. Circuit judges, Florence Pan, pressed Trump attorney D. John Sauer with the oral argument about whether a president might sell pardons or nuclear secrets or even order a Navy SEAL team to kill a political opponent and still evade criminal prosecution under his theory of the case. Another, Judge Karen L. Henderson, noted that it seemed paradoxical that presidents would pledge to faithfully execute the laws only to violate those same laws and receive legal protection. Quote, You're cruising down the highway, windows rolled down, tunes blasting from the radio. You're in the zone and living the dream. Suddenly, your car sputters, coughs, and throws a wrench in your whole day. Tow trucks, repair bills, the dream turns into a nightmare. Don't wait until car trouble steals your peace of mind. Visit CarShield now at carshield.com Carlson. For nearly 20 years, CarShield has helped millions of drivers avoid the stress of major repairs. They offer plans covering up to 5,000 parts and systems, from your engine and transmission to electronics and more all for a low monthly rate that fits your budget. CarShield plans also include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, and rental options. Get peace of mind now. Visit CarShield online at carshield.com carlson. Join millions of customers and contact CarShield now to save 20%. Visit carshield.com carlson. That's carshield.com carlson. Visit now. We cannot accept that the office of the presidency places its former occupants above the law for all time thereafter. Doing so, they said, would collapse our system of separated powers by placing the president beyond the reach of all three branches. Incorrect. These people are crackpots and they're insane. Is this a joke? Quite literally, the impeachment process is through Congress to check the power of the executive branch. What we don't want is the state or federal law enforcement of the next executive administration to target the previous administration due to political differences. It should be the legislative branch through the impeachment process that opens the door to target a president, determining whether or not what they did was a high crime or misdemeanor. Trump has pleaded not guilty to four felony counts that accuse him of leading a conspiracy to cling to power and disenfranchise millions of voters in 2020. 
Prosecutors say that this culminated in violence at the Capitol, etc. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. It, in fact, is the duty of Donald Trump to have pursued all means to retain his uh, his seat. And the, the terrifying thing here is that they're criminally charging a president for his constitutional duty, hence the argument of immunity. Okay, you want to make the argument, let's make the argument. You argue that Donald Trump lost, he should have accepted his defeat, and that's the end of it. If Hillary Clinton believed that Donald Trump had won because of Russia, should she have said, no, it's fine. Uh, it, it, it's absolutely fine that Russia installed a, a dictatorial president. No, Hillary Clinton tried, and many of them did, to pursue every, well, let's just say they went extra legal with it. But my point is this, in the event that a foreign adversary subverts an election process and the president then pursues some kind of reconciliation, adjudication to figure out what's going on here, as he should, the argument from from the left is this president should go to prison for trying to do it. No, the Constitution requires a legitimate process. As the president, he pursued all methods and means to explore and investigate the results of an election. That is his duty. Why? Many states, state legislatures, and many uh, lawyers and activists and lawsuits had emerged saying something's not right. Well, the president should pursue that. And guess what? He lost the fight. That's it. We move on. To pursue him criminally after the fact would imply that any president who is anyone, even if he's not even running for reelection, should he dare to try and figure out if there was some criminal activity in the election, he would go to prison for it. That's absurd. Tuesday's decision comes at a crucial time for Trump. It's a blah, blah, blah. We, we, we get it. We get it. All right. Let's play the game, ladies and gentlemen, because I am so on board for this. The killing of Abdul Rahman Alalaki. Okay. 16-year-old U.S. citizen who was killed by a drone strike under a policy approved by Barack Obama. His father, Anwar Alalaki, was also uh, alleged to be an operational leader of Al-Qaeda. He was killed by a CIA drone strike, also ordered by Obama two weeks prior. Alleged. Obama killed an American citizen on an allegation. For this, I believe there should be a criminal investigation. You know, you come across a man and he's holding a knife standing over a dead body. We say, okay, drop the weapon. You are under arrest on suspicion of murder. Why? Because we saw you standing over a dead body. Okay. Then we have an investigation because on the surface, it looks pretty bad. What do we find? In fact, there is a security camera and it shows this man who was holding the knife walking up and seeing a dead body on the ground with a knife next to it and blood everywhere. Panic, call for help, grab the knife. For whatever reason, he's stupid. He, he, he picks the knife up, then realizes what it is, and then the police show up. Now, it looks like he may have murdered the guy, but then it turns out he was a bystander. How about this? The guy walks up with a surveillance footage, and it shows the man walk up, and there's a crazy guy waving a knife, screaming around, and then they get into a fight. The guy defends himself. The other guy dies, and then they come and they arrest him, and it turns out there was a legitimate reason as to why there was lethal force used. The man was defending himself. In this instance, I think it's absolutely fine to say there should be an investigation as to why Barack Obama murdered this American citizen without charge or trial and uh, figure out if it was some kind of security issue for the United States or was Barack Obama just committing a murder. It is remarkable to me that a man, an American citizen, was murdered 
And all Obama had to say was, uh, he was an enemy. Is this a joke? Do we really live in this world? Okay, fine. I am fine with an impeachment inquiry into the actions taken by Barack Obama to determine whether or not he killed someone wrongly. If the impeachment inquiry turns up that he did, he did, and he's impeached for it and convicted of the murder, then he should face criminal charges. But right now, understand the simplicity of the circumstance we are in. Many would argue that it was Obama's sworn duty under the Constitution to defend this country from an enemy, foreign or domestic. And in this instance, Anwar al-Awlaki is accused of being an operational leader of al-Qaeda at war with the United States. I think it's laughably absurd to criminally charge a president for defending this country from an enemy attacker. That being said, as an American citizen, we should get an inquiry into this. There should be a heavy investigation and there should be a report released as to why an American citizen was killed in this way. Instead, we have nothing. And the bigger question, of course, is beyond murder. What about negligent homicide or uh, manslaughter? Why was Abdul Rahman killed? 16 year old American citizen. Was he born in, was he born Boulder, Colorado, Denver? He was born in Denver. He lived in San Diego. Human rights groups questioned why Al-Alaki was killed by U.S. in a country we were not at war with. Jamil Jaffer, deputy legal director of the ACLU, said if the government is going to be firing predator missiles at American citizens, surely the American public has a right to know who's being targeted and why. Two U.S. officials speaking on the condition of anonymity stated their target was Ibrahim Albana, an Egyptian believed to be a senior operative in Al-Qaeda. Another U.S. administration official speaking on the condition of anonymity described Abdurrahman Al-Awlaki as a bystander who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't buy it. I really don't. When pressed by a reporter to defend the targeted killing policy that resulted in Al-Awlaki's death, former White House Press Secretary Robert Gibbs deflected blame to the victor's father, saying, I would suggest that you have a far more responsible father if they are truly concerned about the well-being of their children. I don't think becoming an Al-Qaeda jihadist terrorist is the best way to go about doing your business. And for this, Abdurrahman Al-Alaki is dead. Okay, we're going to play that game. Let's play that game. Trump has no immunity. I was waiting for this moment. Ken Paxton, Texas, you're going to file criminal charges against Barack Obama? And I don't know that the AG actually does that personally. But will you instruct your administration and your prosecutors and the state to pursue criminal charges? He's an American citizen. Okay. Perhaps the argument is, what jurisdiction do we have? He was from Denver, Colorado. He lived in San Diego. So perhaps the argument's going to be, we don't have the jurisdiction to pursue a murder charge for someone who didn't live here. I am sure outside of, of this, actually, let's, uh, let's pull up Anwar. Anwar Alalaki born in 1971, an American Islamic scholar and lecturer who was killed in, in, a 20, in 2011 in Yemen by a U.S. drone strike ordered by Obama. In Yemen? We're not at war with Yemen. We've not been at war with Yemen. Why is this happening? Interesting. So he was born in Las Cruces, New Mexico. But I have to wonder, did this man ever live in any other jurisdiction? Let's see. Let's go through this. Colorado State makes sense. That's where his, uh, his son was. Uh, he married a cousin. Yikes. And uh, 
you know, and then he was in San Diego, which makes sense. It's where his, his son was. Ah, Northern Virginia. Mm-mm-mm. He attended a mosque in Northern Virginia. There you go. Do we have anybody in Virginia who will uh, uh, pursue these charges? I also I'm willing to bet that Anwar Alalaki, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Abdul Rahman, had some connections granting jurisdiction to someone. Furthermore, are we going to see the ACLU or any other NGO take action now and call for criminal charges? How about this? An American citizen was killed overseas by a president. Will Merrick Garland instruct his Department of Justice to begin the criminal proceedings against Barack Obama? Of course he won't. But I tell you this. Should Donald Trump win and become president? I hope. I do. That the new AG who steps in pursues criminal charges against Barack Obama for more than just this. Because that's the game they want to play. Then so be it. It is the game we shall. But let's be real. While they use this window to go up against Trump and try and put him in prison so he can't win in, 20, uh, in November, the Supreme Court is likely going to reject all of this. They're going to say no. In fact, already I've seen some lawyers on X, aka Twitter, say that the way this was drafted up, these judges are basically begging, please, we're such cowards. Someone take this off our hands. The argument, of course, is that they do not want to be the name behind destabilization or this political issue. You know, judges are, are fairly coward, coward, uh, are cowards, tend to be many of them, not all of them. There's probably a lot of judges who are pretty brave. But boy, oh boy, do we see more and more just how cowardly so many judges are. The Supreme Court justice themselves are, are mostly cowards, absolute cowards. I have to be completely honest. You take a look at Texas v. Pennsylvania in 2020. Texas wanted an answer. If one of the states involved in our presidential election can unilaterally and in violation of the Constitution change their rules, does that mean we have a free and fair election? Texas was upset. Pennsylvania changed the rules of their election outside of the confines of the Constitution and said, if they're cheating, why should their vote count? Now, the view of the Democrats was, doesn't matter how they came to their vote, they voted. But Texas says, if they can cheat and subvert the will of, their, of, of the voters there, how are we involved in a fair election when executives are, are, are putting up fake votes? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Supreme Court said no because they're cowards. That's the reality of it. It was Alito and Thomas who said under original jurisdiction, meaning the states, when they file suit against another state, Supreme Court handles it, said we must hear this case. And, and, and they didn't even say that they were going to rule on the, on, on the merits. They literally said we should take this up. The rest of the justices just said no. There's a really obvious reason why. I believe that the, upon review, the conclusion of any honest justice would be we do not have a legitimate election if a state is in violation of the Constitution. 
We all agree to the rules. We all proceed in these in this way. And then we say, OK, Texas will be beholden to a president we don't like because we played fair. But if there are state, if there's a state or states that are not playing by the rules of the Constitution, i.e., you cannot change your elections unilaterally through an executive or a judicial review. It has to be through the legislature. Then it's unfair. It's unfair that Texas would play by the rules. Look at it this way. Texas says we're going to run an election. And if the Democrats win, they win. If the Republicans win, they win. Pennsylvania says "Eh, we're going to change the rules. And this is going to swing things in favor of Democrats. Well, hold on. The states aren't supposed to be playing political party favorites, but they did. And so Texas wanted an answer on it. And the Supreme Court said, we're not going to give you one, leading to the crisis we are facing today. They could have given us a simple answer, and this could have been resolved four years ago. Well, three years ago, but you get the point. They could have said simply, Pennsylvania, you guys changed the like they'd hear the arguments. Texas would say it was a judge who altered the rules. That's not how this is supposed to be run. And if we're playing fair, but they're weighted in favor of a party, it nullifies our votes. And it nullifies the votes of the people in that state. Supreme Court justice would have had to have said, you're, you're right. Constitution says the legislative legislature will have ultimate decision making power on this one. There were concerns that the Constitution forbade universal mail-in voting in, in Pennsylvania, but they decided to allow it anyway. If the election was held in violation of the state constitution, they're breaking the rules. And instead of changing it through the required legislative process, don't get me wrong, the legislature approved universal mail-in voting in violation of the constitution. Instead of doing it, they all just banged the gavel and said, no, we're going to do it anyway. Supreme Court justices were too much of cowards to do anything about it. But we'll see. This question will fall into the lap of the Supreme Court, and I believe it's fairly obvious they will rule Trump does have immunity. However, it's entirely possible they rule he does not have immunity, in which case Trump's probably going to go to prison. But we'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Taylor Swift is big mad because that guy who started tracking private jets of Elon Musk now tracks the private jets of basically everybody. And he found out that Taylor Swift actually, well, according to this report, had two jets and flies a lot. Now, Taylor Swift is basically saying you are stalking and harassing me and you should stop. But this guy points out, hey, look, man, everybody's quite concerned that Taylor Swift is flying private, pumping out nearly 140 tons of carbon emissions. Oh, man, I love this story. Look, I know everybody's just so tired of Taylor Swift and they're like, oh, who cares? Politics, dude. This is so perfect. Taylor Swift, who is the celebrity darling right now. I mean, she's like the top celebrity. I know some people are like, no, Trump is the top. OK, Trump is running for office. But yes, Taylor Swift is one of the one of the top celebrities, most famous people in the world. Everybody wants to know, is she going to be able to make it to the Super Bowl from Japan? And what's going to happen at the Super Bowl? And I just love this. Because you cannot be a leftist climate change advocate and a fan of Taylor Swift at the same time because she flies private like crazy. You know, the story is actually really funny. So I tweeted out that if it it, I, I would I would insist Taylor Swift double 
global atmospheric carbon concentration. If it meant otherwise, she could not be at that Super Bowl. It was funny. Somebody tweeted. They're like, I don't know what that means, but I'm taking it as disrespect. Here's what I'm saying. Yo, I don't care that Taylor Swift is pumping out carbon emissions. Literally do not care. I think most of the stuff they're pushing out about it is lies. I do believe human pollution causes serious problems. The bug population is gone. I got concerns about the plastic in the ocean and what we're putting in our bodies. So yeah, human pollution is a bad thing. I don't believe the climate change people, though they buy beachfront property. So as for Taylor Swift, y'all got a big conundrum right now. You cannot cheer for her going to the Super Bowl to be with Travis Kelsey while also being an advocate to stop climate change. And you know, this brings itself back to this whole narrative about people claiming Taylor Swift is going to be this Democrat plant and she's going to help Joe Biden. And I'm just like, dudes, please, you have every opportunity to weaponize politically Taylor Swift to the right wing advantage. So I will say it again. Taylor Swift must make it to the Super Bowl so that she can see her beau, Travis Kelsey, win the game winning touchdown and take home that Super Bowl ring. And the only way she can do it is flying on a big old private jet. I'm down for it. I literally have no beef whatsoever with Taylor Swift flying on a private jet. I actually think it's, it's, it's kind of pathetic. It's kind of nasty that there is this guy who's like, let's track everyone's private jets. They do this, many of them, because they want to shame and harass people who fly private because of carbon emissions. Now, don't get me wrong. You drive a car. I can see your car on the road. I can say I saw your car on the road. Ain't nothing you can do about it. It just so happens there's very few private jets relative to how many cars there are. So when someone's got a, a, a website tracking the real-time information of your private jet, it can be really annoying. Now, Taylor Swift, she got safety issues. Look at this. But there are activists who want to shame her, get her to stop flying private, stop flying at all, probably many of them, because of the carbon emissions produced by her plane. So check this out. Taylor Swift threatens to sue College Jr., who runs social media account that tracks her private jet, accusing him of stalking and harassing behavior. I got to be honest, this dude, I think I think the principal reason that there are people behind this is because they want to shame people who fly private. They pr- private jets produce a ridiculous amount of carbon emissions. It takes a ridiculous amount of energy and resources to fly a private jet. Commercial jets, bigger, lower energy costs, more overall energy consumed, but more humans transported, much more efficient. The only way Taylor Swift would be able to do her tours is literally flying private. So now Taylor's basically uh, trying to get him to stop saying she's going to file legal action against him. He points out this. This is what Jack Sweeney, the guy who's tracking her jet said in a statement to Daily Mail. He said, I think it's important to note that nowhere do I intend harm. Full stop. What does that even mean? Dude, if you tell everybody where Taylor Swift is landing, many of these private airports don't have heavy security. So most of the regional airports that, uh, uh, you know, we've we've flown into or that we have here, like Frederick, for instance, there's Martinsburg. Yo, it's like a chain link fence. Some of them don't even have anything. You walk right in the tarmac. If you were going to publish that Elon Musk was landing at one of these smaller, uh, um, you know, FBOs, they call them <clears throat> fixed base operators. There could be a crazy person standing right there. Where there's no security. What ends up happening then is Taylor's going to be forced to land at a larger airport with security. It's going to be more expensive. Anyway, he goes on. Uh, he says, also important to note that this letter came days after headlines about her jet use caused bad headlines for her about carbon emissions. 
A year earlier, her team stated to the media that her jet is rarely used by her and it's loaned out. The statements by her team directly contradict each other, just like her team's response to there being one jet, which is only true in the past two weeks. Her family together has owned, and he lists two tail numbers, for years, only changing recently, saying there is only one jet and it's an attempt to make the family's jet use seem not as bad, which may be now true. This has only recently changed. The event was eerily similar to December 2022 when Musk tweeted he could take legal action against me. Apparently he couldn't. All of which was disproven by OSINT. Swift's team also suggests that I have no legitimate interest in sharing the jet information, which is inherently wrong. Her fans, the ones who have grown to use Taylor Swift Jets accounts uh, and subreddit, the tracking accounts routinely have more supporters and fans than otherwise. When the embassy of Japan in the USA makes a statement saying that they're confident she's going to make it, I think people are interested to know what they're saying basically is she is pumping out carbon emissions like no other. And this has got the the progressive left all riled up. Take a look at this from the Daily Mail. Taylor Swift slams reports. She is the biggest celebrity CO2 polluter of the year after her jet tops new list of stars with worst emissions, claiming that her plane is loaned out regularly to other individuals. I got to tell you, Taylor. That excuse does not fly with climate change activists. You own a private jet. They don't care if you are on it. What you're saying with this headline is you are profiting off of climate change. So to be like, I I only fly a little bit and I let other people use the jet so it's used more frequently. Heavens, what you should. (laughs) I guess there's no answer. You can say you can shut up. But look, 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 I'm not trying to rag on you, Taylor. I'm 100% A-OK with you flying private. I respect it. I got no beef. I think these people are are liars, political ideologues, and they're trying to use you to win political points. I think you absolutely should fly private from Tokyo to Las Vegas, and you should enjoy the Super Bowl. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. See, my friends, I'm going to let you in on a big secret. I also fly private. I know. So I'm biased. As the 1%, I must protect Taylor Swift's claim to her private jet. Now, uh, to be fair, I don't own a private jet. In fact, when she says that her jet is loaned out to people, I'm probably the kind of people who might periodically take uh, through a broker a jet like this. In fact, um, I've probably flown on some famous people's jets. I wouldn't even know. know. Here's how it works. There are many brokers and uh, firms. You call them up and say, hey, we need to be able to fly from here to here at this time. They'll say, okay, we'll get you a quote. They send you uh, like, you know, a, bre- a breakdown of costs, landing fees, et cetera. And they say, here's your dates. You can pay for it. It's going to cost this. And then you do. You land, you never see the plane again. And so for someone like uh, me here at Timcast, when we have to move eight people uh, and equipment, so if we've got cameras or mics or, or bags, uh, we have a mobile studio set up, an emergency backup that we cannot bring on a commercial jet, then, well, there's only real way. I'll break this down for you. Let's let's totally get into the private jet stuff. So uh, when we travel, 
for a show like we did in Des Moines. We've got a crew of probably eight people. I mean, in fact, we had more than we had like 12. So some had to fly commercial, but that's the way it's going to go. The only way for me to get there is going to be if I fly on a Friday night after the show or uh, uh, because we've, we've got to do setup. It's just it's in most of these circumstances, it is basically impossible for for this uh, Des Moines show. It was a Wednesday night. We had to be there Wednesday night, which means Tuesday after the show at 11 o'clock. I have to get in the car right when we're done filming, go to one of the uh, regional airports, hop on a private jet, three hours, like two, two and a half hours to Des Moines, landing at like one in the morning Eastern. Or no, it was like two or three a.m. going to sleep and then waking up four hours later to record my morning show. We've got to bring eight people with us. The easiest thing to do, lower costs, still more expensive than commercial, but the only way to pull it off. More importantly, the mobile uh, recording kit that I would use for my morning show or for any emergency backups contains, it's probably, I don't know, $10,000. I cannot check that bag. First of all, I used to work for uh, American Eagle Airlines, which is American Airlines Regional, and uh, working in the bag room, yeah, uh, look. It's funny because there'll be like a viral video where a guy, you'll, they'll see like a, a ramp agent lifting the bags and shoving them in the thing. And people are like, look how he's manhandling my bags. And I'm like, bro, you have no idea. I got one story from a long time ago. A guy picked up a bag and they're heavy bags, right? So he grabbed it and he spun around to create momentum so it would go up and then he could slam it. I, I don't know. It was bored. Sometimes he's just pick the bag up and throw it. But I guess he was having fun. He picked it up and spun so that it goes up and then he slams it into one of the bag carts and you hear a crunch. And there was wine in the bag. And I'm kind of thinking like, you got to be nuts to put wine in your bag. It did say fragile on it, though. Something like that happened. And so anyway, we, we can't check it. When I, every company I've worked for, Vice, uh, uh, ABC News, Univision, policy is do not check cameras. If you can't carry them on, do not get on that plane because that $500 plane ticket is not worth breaking a $7,000 camera. And so when it comes to flying, it's what we got to do. I suppose the answer then is we just don't do any road shows. We don't go to Des Moines. We don't go to these caucuses. And that's fair. But I'm not a climate change activist. I actually have no issue whatsoever with the existence of private jets. I think they're fine. I think Taylor Swift should use them. And I think this is a, a great opportunity for us as capitalists who believe in merit and who love technology and luxury to criticize the far left and once again weaponize the Taylor Swift narrative against, in this instance, climate change activists. Make them the villain. Listen, one of my, my fear right now is that come the Super Bowl, Travis Kelsey is going to, I don't know, propose or there's going to be some heartwarming moment and they're going to try and get some, there could be some false flag MAGA guy being like, Taylor Swift works for the Pentagon. And then he like shoves Travis Kelsey. Who knows? And I'm like, man, I don't know how you, that would rile up every Swifty to vote for Kelsey. But my friends, please. As we look to the news now, we got a great opportunity to defend Taylor Swift's right to fly in a private jet, to criticize those who are telling her not to see Travis the Super Bowl as liars and hypocrites. AOC wants to move towards banning air travel. No, I should say, but getting rid of air travel. That's what they said in the Green New Deal resolution. They want to move towards a future where air travel is not necessary. Well, for Taylor Swift to get from Tokyo to Vegas literally right after her show to all of her adoring fans to then be with the man that she loves. She needs a private jet. I got no beef. I'm glad that so many people love her. They've afforded her that opportunity. These, I can't believe it. 
These leftists, they just want to take away Taylor Swift's happiness. How could they? From George Soros trying to buy out, well, the Soros family and the Carlisle group trying to buy out her music, forcing her to re-record everything, to now demanding she does not fly on a plane that she deserves and worked hard to own? How dare they? In all seriousness, outside of the outrage, I do take uh, offense to these leftists and their worldview. You got these people like Barack Obama buying waterfront property in an area that the climate change alarmists say would be flooded in the event of climate change. I actually think there are, look, I'll say it right now, human pollution likely is contributing to environmental changes. I, I want to be very careful how I explain this because I don't know enough about global climate science and they use all these nebulous terms. They change every, every few years. No, I think the garbage and the dead zones in the oceans that uh, likely pollution. There's this story of the, uh, was the Cuyahoga River or whatever, burst into flames in the 70s. And, they, and that, that uh, resulted in the Clean Water Restoration Act. I don't like humans polluting. I don't like people littering. Let's be clean, good stewards of the earth. That doesn't mean, I think, we ban people's right to fly a plane. Taylor Swift, like she rebutted, saying they buy carbon tokens to offset how much they use. Take a look at this. This is funny. Here's the map. How Taylor Swift's jet crisscrossed the country in the past week. This is one week. Holy crap. I am jealous of this woman. July 23rd, Burbank to Nashville. That sounds like Taylor. July 28th, Nashville to Buffalo. July 28th, Buffalo to Burbank. <laughs> wow. Burbank to Albany, Albany to Nashville. Holy, wow. Take a look at this. Okay. Burbank to Nashville. Makes sense. She's in California. She's working on music and stuff. And then she wants to fly home. Then she flies on the 28th from Nashville to Buffalo. Okay. So where's, is, is that where, that's not where Buffalo is. Oh, wait, no, 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 I'm sorry. That was five. Two is right here. Okay. That's, I'm like that. That's where Buffalo is up by uh, Niagara Falls. Then on the same day, on the same day, she stopped. What is she stopping in Buffalo for? Some wings. And then she flies back to Burbank. Amazing. The next day, she flies back to New York to Albany. Man, she's spending a lot of time on these planes. I got to tell you, uh, Taylor, you got to watch out for that radiation when you're up in the sky like that. And then, uh, wait, wait, I got the dates wrong. July 29th, July 23rd, Albany to Nashville. How does that make sense? Um, so here's what actually does make sense. She is loaning her plane out. I actually would be kind of surprised if she does charter her plane. It could be loaned out to other people who are in. You want to say loaned out? I bet it's like within her company or shared uh, third party businesses. But uh, it would make sense because what would happen is, you know, she would fly from Burbank to Nashville and then she stays home. Someone who is in uh, Nashville charters her plane to fly to Buffalo. And then someone who is in Buffalo charters her plane to fly to Burbank. I kind of don't know if I believe that because she went from Burbank to Nashville. So it does kind of seem like she's the one doing all the flying. And considering the flights here are basically Nashville, Buffalo, Chicago. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, New, it's, it's, it's all basically New York and California. It seems like it's her that's doing it. I don't care. Do you care? How many of you care? I don't. So Taylor, enjoy yourself. And, uh, and I'll, I'll say this too, because I, I don't really address a lot of the privacy stuff, right? Dude, this is, this is sleazy, okay? This guy who's, who's posting people's tail numbers, 
when they're landing and where they're going. I think it's cringe. I think it's not cool. Look, man, if you went out in front of someone's house and started filming their car and then started posting all of the public, all, all of the publicly available information on where they are, that's stalking. The difference here is for, for b- because of public air, uh, airways, the information pertaining to these planes will be published. They don't say who, who's on the plane or anything, but he deduces it and then publishes this all. Bro, let her land, let Taylor land her plane and get her security in GTFO. How wild would it be if you drove to the gas station and you got out of your car and there were like five people all yelling at you and they knew you were there because some dude was posting your information? It is, it is not, I don't know, man. Look, if he were to claim that he tracked 7,000 miles flown in the past week, X amount of carbon emissions, and even the, the, uh, the general area, like the metro, I'd say, okay, fine, whatever. If he said, Taylor Swift will be flying from California to New York, which will add, you know, 2,500 miles, blah, blah, blah. I'd say, all right, I guess, you know, he's not revealing her personal location. He's, ex- he's explaining information related to the amount of flying she's doing. But no, it's quite literally like taking off from this airport, landing at this airport at this time and at this time. And here's the crazy thing. You get in a plane. I said this about Elon. And then they announce what flight you're on and they know when you're going to land. You're giving some of these crazy people like several hours to plan something awful. And if they're planning something awful because you've reported in the past, they fly, she flies from Burbank to Nashville back and forth. Then all you got to do is wait until you give the word and then they can be waiting there. That is creepy stuff. I'm not OK with it. I think Taylor should be allowed to fly her jet. And I think she should fly from Tokyo to Japan so that she can enjoy the company of uh, her love interest. Here's the crazy thing. Though, I got to be honest. It looks like her jet's massive. OK, like, look at this. Uh, I, I don't know if this I'm assuming this plane right here that. You, yeah, that's a private jet. You can tell because the seats uh, uh, flipped around. And uh, man, what kind of jet is she flying on? Look, I'll be honest with you guys. The best I think I've flown on is probably a Learjet. That was wild. But the jets that I've flown on, you can't stand up in. These are eight to eight. I think the biggest we've been on is probably a 12 seater. And you could kind of stand up in it, but your, you know, your, your, your neck's twisted a little bit. You can kind of stand up. I ain't flown in anything like what Taylor Swift's flying on where you can actually stand up in it. It is pretty cool. It's, it's wild. You know, when you land uh, at these, this, it's like there's a bunch of fixed space operators. There's things like signature flight support. That's where you land. So if you're flying into New York, typically people who fly private will fly into Teterboro in New Jersey. No real reason to fly into New York proper, but you'll land at signature flight support. And it is crazy because like some of the planes that we've flown on, uh, there's one that one, one that we've used maybe like half the time. I don't even know if, they're, if they exist anymore. It's called Verajet and they're microscopic. It's like sitting in an SUV for two hours with no bathroom. That's the kind of private, you know, we're, 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 we're utilizing. That's a four-seater. And they, they tend to be half the cost, although recently they've been more, more expensive and substantially less uh, uh, functional. So uh, that company seems to be in trouble, I guess. But uh, if we fly, uh, it's, it's not always a jet, too. So I'll, I'll give you some, uh, some insider information, I guess. People who don't, know, who, don't, who don't know this stuff may be interested. So typically we fly on a turboprop. A turboprop j- uh, plane is not a jet. It's a plane. And they're much slower, takes longer to fly. They're much cheaper. But this is private flight. If you're flying from, uh, let's we fly to New York. We flew from Martinsburg to New York. I believe it was an hour or so flight, maybe an hour and a half. And it was because we had uh, a show in New York and we had like eight people who had to be there. And so it's like, okay, well, 
instead of buying everybody uh, tickets, let's just get one plane. That way everyone's in the same location. The cars arrive in and out, no security, no wait times. And uh, I would say it cost us for this flight. It was, let me do the math here. Eight, I think it was like 1500 bucks per person to fly on a turboprop plane. Uh, what was it? I think it was a King Air, I guess. So it's not a jet. It's not very big. You can't stand up and there's no bathroom. But private flight was, uh, I think it ended up being like double what it would have cost if we flew uh, commercial first class. So if we put all of our crew in coach, it would add probably 10 hours to the trip, which we're doing a weekend show. So that's like out of the question. And uh, but I think the coach seats were like 300 bucks. So it added a bit more per person. But time wise, it was basically the only way we can do it. But uh, this is the important thing to understand, too. Turbo propeller plant, turbo props, they call them. They're they're small and uh, not not very fast. And then you start slowly as you get as you increase the range of how far you have to go from like uh, from Martinsburg to New York's not very far straight shot with with a plane. But going to Des Moines, going to Phoenix, yo, these things get crazy cross cross country. It's like new if you're going like D.C. to L.A., it's like one hundred thousand dollars for a jet that can do it. Otherwise, you get these little jets that stop several times and you're it's like road tripping. It's like, you know, it's better than road tripping. You'll get there in six, seven hours. But if, if you want to actually get there, I think you'll need like a Gulf Stream that can actually traverse it in one hop. Those are like a hundred grand. That's crazy. So the most we've done are these small ones. It typically costs like ten to twenty thousand dollars. I know it's crazy, right? But otherwise we can't make it work. And so this is one of the biggest challenges with doing live events for us, which is why we've decided to shift to this physical space we have in Martinsburg, which is our location where Cast Brew Coffee is going to have its first location. We're going to be doing just some local events. We're going to sell tickets. They're probably going to be a little bit on the higher end, but on the highest end, because it's going to be like super VIP. You're literally standing in the room next to whoever our guest is and, uh, you know, sitting 10 feet from them. And it's a private members only thing. So become a member at TimCast.com. But it's I, I got to be honest, it's like the cost of private jets weighs us down. Production costs are like 20 grand, like setting up the studio. Then we got to spend like 20 grand on a flight. Then we got to spend like 10 grand on hotels and accommodation. And then we're crossing our fingers. We even make that much money off doing an event, which of course we do not. I'll let y'all in on a secret. The amount that we made from the Des Moines event, I think was like $10,000. And then we sold the sponsorship, of course, to Based Records. Shout out to Based Records uh, fan and appreciate their support. And it's only because of the sponsorship we're able to, to make it work. And we lost a lot of money. There's a challenge, man. It's a question I suppose I can give to all of you guys who have made it this far in the video. We're able to do it because you guys are members at TimCast.com. Uh, I've mentioned this several times. What I pay myself in terms of a salary, it just comes from this. The morning show that I do, the multiple segments, is my, my salary out of the TimCast company. If I were to get rid of IRL, shut everything down, fire everybody, my salary would not change. In fact, probably could go up. Um, but don't get me wrong. There are profits from the company when we don't spend money or invest it. Pro- like uh, if, if we don't invest or whatever and the money just builds up, it rolls over to me. So I do make profit off everything else. But my view is basically like the TimCast.com stuff, all the memberships. Uh, we reinvest into going to Des Moines to do the show with Vivek Ramaswamy, even though we're going to lose a lot of money by doing it because that's the point. You guys are members, you pay for it. And we're like, let's spend the money where we can. 
And I often say, like, if I was asked what I would if, like, if I could buy anything, what would I buy? I'm like, I'd buy flying to Des Moines in a blizzard to interview Vivek Ramaswamy during the caucuses. That's worth so much more to me than a new pair of shoes or something. But, you know, that means we lose money on those endeavors. I do think it's ultimately good for the business. I think it attracts new members. And the more members we get, the more we can do things like this. I don't like the idea of spending money inefficiently, but we need to get a private jet to be able to fly to Des Moines to do this. So we do. And we lose money, but I think we get something of tremendous value out of it. And I think you guys uh, have, have paid that membership because that's what you want to happen. So hopefully in the future, we can do more of that. And then for like cast brew coffee, uh, almost all the money, I'm pretty sure all of it, like I'll just, I'll just say this. My, my, my understanding is when you buy from castbrew.com, we sponsor the show. That money stays in Casper. We're trying to build up Casper. It's generating profits and revenue. I, I loaned it money so it could start. Now when coffee is sold, it goes into the company's accounts where there's a staff. I think we have a couple staff members, maybe just one. And the goal there is to build these physical locations up. So that money doesn't come to me in, in, in some, you know, like I'm not buying cars or anything. That money goes towards paying for the expansion of, 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 these, uh, of the operation of, of our hopes and dreams for it. So long story short, I don't know, that's some insider baseball on uh, baseball on costs and expenses. I bring that up just because, for one, I think people may be curious, but I also want to point out when it comes to Taylor Swift, there's probably such costs that people don't even realize. I'm also going to say, dude, what's it going to cost her to fly from Tokyo to Las Vegas on a private jet? $200,000? Absolutely insane. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But I got no beef, man. Just don't make enemies where you don't need them. Let's cheer on Taylor Swift. And criticize though those who are saying she shouldn't fly in her jet. I'll leave it there. Next time it's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. New images have emerged. The current progress of the line, the nightmare dystopia city currently being built in the Middle East. And you know what's really fascinating is when this video first emerged about the quote unquote line dystopian city. Well, they don't call it dystopian, but I didn't believe it was real. I've seen all these videos of concept cities and plans. And I don't believe, I didn't believe anybody would actually try to start building one of these things. But of course, check this out. They have actually begun the process of building this ridiculous city called The Line, which would stretch one big line. And basically, I think it's like 110 miles long. Here's a concept image of it. This is a, it's massive. And you would live inside this big tube, which stretches to the water. Uh, 75 miles. Okay. 75 miles. I don't know why they, why they say 110 somewhere else. Take a look at this aerial photo. You can see they're starting to carve out the landscape to begin building this city. You know, I got to be honest. Look at this. This is actually crazy. I got to be honest. Uh, I'm pretty much into it. Totally into it. You know why? Uh, not my country. Don't care. Don't live there. But I do appreciate grandiose endeavors that someone, uh, this is Mohammed bin Salman, crown prince of Saudi Arabia. And uh, he's doing something bold and tremendous. And I can respect it. I don't know if it's a good idea or not, but uh, whatever. I don't know if you guys have seen There's a video they have. I don't think it's too long where it basically like breaks down. Let me, let me play the video for you so we can actually get an understanding of what the actual uh, And thing polluted is. cities that ignore nature. Now, a revolution in civilization is taking place. Oh, is it? Imagine a traditional city and consolidating its footprint, designing to protect and enhance nature. 
The line will be home to 9 million residents and will be built with a footprint of just 34 square kilometers. And we are designing it to provide a healthier, more sustainable quality of life. The line's communities are organized in three dimensions. Residents have access to all their daily needs within five-minute walk neighborhoods. And the line's infrastructure makes it possible to travel end-to-end -end in 20 minutes with no need for cars, resulting in zero carbon emissions. By leveraging AI technology, services are autonomous, saving you time and effort. Designed by world-leading architects, the line is 500 meters tall, 200 meters wide, 170 kilometers long, and housed within an elegant mirror glass facade. Intelligent solutions create efficiency and year-round temperate microclimate with natural ventilation. Energy and water supplies are 100% renewable. The line is designed as a series of unique communities, offering a wealth of amenities, providing equitable views and immediate access to the surrounding nature. With 40% of the world accessible within six hours at the heart of the globe's key trade routes. Wow. A place for commerce and communities to thrive like nothing on earth seen before. The Line, the city that delivers new wonders for the world. I'm pretty excited, actually. I, I, I like the idea of a grandiose effort. Now, my concerns are, does this expand beyond? Is this a cultural shift? Because the concerns I have are what they're basically saying is it's a hyper dense city. And I can't imagine it's going to be very nice. And they show these things and it's all beautiful and it's pretty. It's basically one massive skyscraper that everyone's going to live in. But I have hopes. And this is my thing. Like, you know, part of it feels rather foolish. Some of it feels rather dystopian. The line. It seems like some kind of like dark sci-fi movie where there's like a villain of the corporation and he works and lives in the line or whatever. And that's all the poor people are going to be like, can you get in? We can't get in. They're going to be trying to break through the walls or whatever. But um, I kind of like the attempt at doing something big and bold. And I wonder what this really means. Now, I'm going to say it again. The reason I'm recording this, I didn't think they were actually going to do it. They, this video comes out and everyone's talking about this ridiculous uh, concept. And I'm like, get out of here, you know. We, I, I remember with Zeitgeist, you had the Venus Project, circular cities run by supercomputers. This is no different. But I suppose the, the uh, uh, argument for a straight line is the under, digging tunnels for underground trains, much, much easier to go in a straight line. But here we are. Check out these photos. For those that are uh, just listening, this is actually fairly insane to actually see. They're carving out a massive trench a 75-mile-long horizontal skyscraper megaproject, and they are literally carving out this massive trench. That's, that's going to be wild. I'm actually excited to see how this plan plays out. And you can see that their basic plan, the concept is, they're going to create a hub for international trade and travel. And I wonder if this is going to be like where the ultra-rich live. That being said, it's in Saudi Arabia, so I have questions about anybody who really wants to travel to Islamic nations because uh, it does not seem fun. We hear all these stories about women who will travel to like Qatar or Dubai on business, get raped. And then when they report it to the police, they get arrested because sex outside of marriage is illegal. There's also stories of people who have like poppy seed muffins and they test positive for opium 
and then they face criminal charges. So uh, not interested in flying to your crackpot country. Sorry. But here's the funny thing. The doubters. Popular Mechanics writes, Saudi Arabia is building an entire city in a straight line. It makes zero sense. Basic math says the city should actually be a circle, not the line. They're wrong. I can't believe they're actually building it. So this is from September of last year, and they are wrong. I, I, I know I remember the I mentioned the Venus project from if you've seen the film Zeitgeist. The idea is to create a circle because it's easier to travel in a circle to get to where you want to go. Concentric circles can have you have a train in the middle, a train outside. And uh, actually, the argument here is a straight line. It's actually easier. Now, if you're on one end of the line sitting, you want to go to the other. It's 20 minutes. But if you're at any point on average, you're about 35. Uh, on average, the distance between you and a target would be 35 uh, miles. They actually break the math down in uh, popular mechanics, of course, because, you know, 50 or so percent of what the, you know, the line is. OK, so here's what it says. Stretches from the Red City to the city of Tabuk, 110 miles away with 9 million inhabitants. I don't know. They're saying it's 75 miles. This has a 110 mile span. I have no idea. They make the argument that if you were to build a circle, they say in this instance with the line, everyone's going to be 35 miles apart. But if you were in a circle, everybody would be only what do they what do they say? Is it uh, substantially less? Where's the actual number? 1.8 miles. The distance between two random residents in a circle, 1.8 miles. The issue, however, that many people bring up, they are trying to avoid hyperdensity. It's already going to be a massively dense city, but they want it to be that you are 35 miles apart. Population density sucks. And this might be their saving grace because I look at the story of the line and I'm like, you can you cram everybody into this giant skyscraper and it kind of sounds like it's going to suck. Although I, I wonder where they'll put their skate park. I do appreciate the ambition of it. Maybe they could make it a little bit longer. But the idea is it won't be as dense. There will be what basically two trains running back and forth. And I wonder if they'll loop around at the end, probably. So it's actually a lot of trains operating on two different tracks. They say the line has been Solomon is calling. The ambitious project will preserve 95 percent of nature. Zero cars, zero streets, zero carbon emissions. The city will be powered by 100 percent clean energy and artificial intelligence, while an estimated 90 percent of available data will be harnessed to enhance infrastructure capabilities beyond the 1 percent typically utilized in existing smart cities. Technological traits aside, can Bill Bin Salman's core concept, a 105 miles, you've got a new number, now it's 105 miles, built in a straight line actually work. In the city of Chicago, for example, we uh, were, uh, for example, were, if the city of Chicago were rearranged into a single line at about a density of 1 million resident per 100 miles, the line would stretch almost to St. Louis, a distance of just under 300 miles. The entire Chicagoland area, if it were on such a line, it would reach Jacksonville, whoa, Florida. Entirely new paradigm. Or is it? Does it make sense for a city? We just never thought it through. The idea of a very long, narrow city does exist, at least in fiction. Tower of Babel, uh, Babylon, 40 to 60 miles high. Yeah, but a tower... You know, with it, with it, with a tower, you've got gravity and you've got all that stuff. I honestly, I'm just going to say it. I don't know this is possible. Nine million people crammed into this gigantic skyscraper stretching straight across this land. I don't know. I don't know, but they're building it. The nightmare dystopia is upon us, my friends. I imagine what's going to end up happening is if their vision comes to fruition, 
then there will be a major economic hub. People will travel far and wide and it will be like a, a culturally diverse metropolitan Mecca amalgamation of all these different countries as a major trade hub. That's kind of what they're trying to make it. And, you know, they say six hours from most of the world. I don't know that that's possible on the other side of the planet. I don't think six hours makes sense. But I do imagine this may become the multicultural, a figurative Mecca. I mean, it's Saudi Arabia, so Mecca is quite literally there. But like a principal hub for the world and the global economic powers will live and reside in this massive Elysium-like skyscraper, you know, I don't know. There it is. Look at that. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.